Hello, and welcome to Leading the Debate from the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. I'm your host, Matthew O'Neill. Today we're taking our cue from Monty Python's The Life of Brian and trying to look on the bright side of life. As we all know, COVID-19 has ended lives and livelihoods in the United Kingdom and across the world. But like many terrible events, there are small positives to be drawn. Just as war has led to dramatic advancements in science, healthcare, and technology, as well as a strengthened sense of community spirit, is it possible that there are some areas where COVID-19 has changed the world for the better? Studies have already suggested that the decreased use of aviation, which may continue long after the pandemic has passed, may have a positive effect on the environment because of the reduced amount of CO2. Francis Ryan in The Guardian has argued that the move to a more virtual world has been empowering for people with severe mobility issues, with an increase in virtual tours of museums, virtual theater performances, and, of course, virtual calls. And depending on your stance, you may well view the government's new emphasis on tackling obesity as a positive development in itself. Professor Debbie Haskell-Leventhal of Macquarie Business School in Sydney even argues that the pandemic may be good for peace, citing a ceasefire that was declared by the Saudis fighting Houthi rebels in Yemen. Over the past week, I spoke to several leaders from across the country, and as well as learning about their unique take on leadership, I was able to ask them for the positives that they have drawn from the pandemic. For Al Russell from the London Clinic, this period has been a real shot in the arm to get patients to engage with technology. I think that the the necessity has been the mother of invention here, uh, and I think the uh, I would I would cite digital consultations as one of those. Um, so um, patients not having to come into central London to check in with their doctor, uh, being able to do that perfectly um, uh, satisfactorily um, through um, uh, a virtual consultation. Uh, the level of collaboration uh, with doctors has been really high using that technology as well. Uh, so, for instance, um, uh, most hospitals um, uh, have a discipline called multidisciplinary team meetings where we discuss uh, individual patients, but not just one doctor, but with a whole group of um, similar disciplined doctors to identify what's best for that patient. And because of using um, uh, virtual uh, technology, uh, the number of doctors uh, increased um, uh, to discuss what was best for that patient. And that's a really good thing for patient safety uh, and um, uh, harnessing the sort of collaborative tools that digital technology has given us. And, and um, the pace of change is massively accelerated um, with COVID. Uh, and actually, I think doctors now say, well, we won't go back the other way because this is great, it's convenient, it's good for patients. Bill Richards, Managing Director of Indeed, spoke about his pride at being able to help fill the recruitment gaps in the NHS in their hour of need. Now, whilst no one would, would wish the pandemic on anybody, of course, um, I, I think the, that empathetic um, uh, narrative has, has really come out uh, from the business, both you know, what we are able to offer our clients. We've been working with a lot of clients 
um, to, to, to help them uh, in, in, the, in their hour of need. Uh, we've been able to uh, assist them with, with, with some products that we've offered free of charge, um, you know, un understanding that, that their climate has completely changed. And then in, internally, I think we've you know, genuinely learned a lot uh, about ourselves uh, as a business as well um, and how we've been able to pivot and, and be even more innovative uh, than we would be normally. Uh, I think it's fair to say that in, indeed it's considered a very uh, innovative business, but we've mm -hmm. managed to um, you know, r really uh, think about things from, from a completely different perspective. Um, one of the clients that we've been working with a, a lot, uh, particularly during uh, you know, the, the, the height of the pandemic, is, is the NHS and the Department of, of Health and Social Care, for example. Um, so we've uh, been able to help them um, uh, offering them a lot, a lot of product free of charge in, in, in order to help populate um, you know, a, a, a lot of these field hospitals uh, that they were cre uh, creating at, at the time um, and, and to make sure there's enough clinical workers um, in, in all hospitals. So elements like that have been really, um, really in, in, enjoyable to be able to give, give something back to the nation. And then I spoke with two leaders from the field of education an area that has been hit harder than most by the COVID-19 pandemic, with many schools still yet to reopen at all since the initial lockdown. Our own chairman, Lord Blunkett, has been particularly vocal on the issue, writing in the Mail on Sunday last month that the failure to get all children back to school was a betrayal of young lives. Yet Karen Hayes, head teacher of Derby Pride Academy, has managed to find a silver lining. I think personally, the the relationships that we've built up as um, with our parents on an individual basis. So very very early on, we um, we all of the staff took on responsibility for two or three pupils across the school population. Now we're a small school, and we understand that that's not possible for all schools. But the the We've been able to build really, really strong relationships with all of our pupils, um, get parents on board, speak to the pupils as well as speaking to the parents on a, you know, twice every week at least, as well as doorstep um, discussions and having some of the pupils in. I think the silver lining for us is when pupils return, the relationships that they'll have built up with those individual people um, will be strong and they will feel confident in being able to speak to people about issues that um, that they might have experienced, because the conversations, um, you know, ultimately have become more about the care of that family as a family unit. Um, and I think one of the things that we know that's been a benefit. Recently, we um, we sent out a survey to all of our Year 11s that are leaving. So we've got 23 Year 11s that are leaving, and without exception, in those surveys it came through that they've really, really appreciated the contact, not only through, you know, the contact for academic achievement and for curriculum, but the contact to make sure that the family is safe, the contact to make sure that some of the family has got uh, enough food and putting them in uh, touch with people um, through food hubs and things like that to make sure that they are managing. And I think they've really appreciated that. And, you know, all of the parents, without exception, have said they would recommend the school uh, on the basis of, of, you know, how we've communicated, in, you know, individually with parents and families and children. So I think that's a silver lining for us. While Joe Garner from Cheshire Autism Practical Support spoke about how, for some children with autism, online video-based education has been preferable to learning in a classroom, 
She also discussed how lockdown has affected some of her relationships with the children's families. One of the positives is the um, engagement from hard-to-reach families um, who wouldn't necessarily be able to come to any of our activities um, for various reasons, um, not necessarily transport, but um, the difficulties of managing a child with autism um, and um, the uncertainty of new uh, venues and new people and um, new, new children getting on with their peers and what have you. So we've, we've done, been doing some mindful sessions with another of our specialist teacher, um, and she's actually had 11 children, teenagers, that we, we haven't really engaged with before. Um, so that's been absolutely fantastic. And one of the learning curves for all of us during COVID is that we will be continuing the virtual online sessions um, with the uh, proviso that, that, that we try and get those children to actually access something physical once we're out of lockdown. Um, so, that, so that's been uh, really positive. It's been lovely to see. I'm now joined by the director of the Leaders' Council, Craig Wellman. Craig, what positives have you taken from this period thus far? Well, look, obviously, um, uh, as the Leaders' Council, we work with leaders from predominantly SMEs um, from across the country. And overwhelmingly, of course, it has been a negative experience, um, particularly for those organisations that have had to shut down entirely um, for three months. And they're even now um, haven't completely reopened um, as normal. I think, as you mentioned earlier in the piece, um, for instance, in the, in the hospitality sector, the fact that two-thirds of the country are still very reluctant to, to go out and use the hospitality sector. I mean, these are knock-on negative effects are going to continue for some time. But but certainly in terms of um, positives, and, and there are some, you know, you touched on some already, um, I would say that in terms of leadership, um, every single leadership figure um, in, in whatever field they work in will have learned probably more about themselves during this period than perhaps in, in, in several years um, beforehand. This is really where leadership is crucial. Um, when things are going well um, and you know, business is, is established and, it's, and has good trusted staff and a strong customer base, you can sort of, I think, get into a, um, a bit of a flow state and, 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 and leadership in some regards can take care of itself. It's when um, negative events happen that you're really tested. So the fact that every single leadership figure um, has been tested is in itself a positive because um, they'll draw on the experience um, for the rest of their career. So that's good. Obviously, beyond that, um, you've got things like the, the increased take-up of, of certain types of technologies. Um, I think the fact that we've embraced um, technologies such as Zoom are beneficial um, and, and they will save um, the need for perhaps a number of flights and perhaps the over-reliance on face-to-face meetings. However, they're certainly not going to replace face-to-face meetings um, entirely uh, anytime soon. I think those, those are still absolutely crucial. Um, and um, while we might be moving towards a world of more flexible uh, working, uh, which will certainly be, be another good thing to take from this, um, I, I think it's going to be very important that teams do still see each other um, and that face-to-face plays a big part in building um, building people's confidence. But certainly from the point of view of the Leaders' Council, I would say that the, the most positive aspect has been um, the, the challenge it's placed to leadership and also in terms of, uh, as you've um, 
so aptly uh, demonstrated in your uh, various podcast episodes with, with leaders from across the country. I think we've seen um, how well um, that they've responded to the challenge um, in, in most cases. That's been um, that's been amazing to, to observe. Um, and I think the, the increased benefit to um, to leadership across the country and, and internationally uh, will certainly be a positive that we can we can take. Now you mentioned uh, earlier on in your answer about uh, this pandemic uh, changing for the better people's leadership styles and helping them learn uh, from this experience. So here's the million pound question, Craig: How has this changed you as a leader of the Leaders' Council, and what have you learned uh, over the past few months? <laughs> that certainly is a, is a, is a tough question. It's very good to know. Um, well, I mean, as I say, that does certainly apply to me. Um, it, it, it's been a real challenge, um, but I think you've had to re- I, I've had to rely on um, a team more than ever, ever. and I think... Um, I, when I have discussions with um, with other leadership figures, um, you know, I, I, I often I think I, I've lapsed a bit into just saying that that working from home is something that that, that can work fairly seamlessly. Um, I think that has been the case with our team, um, but I think that is largely because of the, the strength of the team and because of the trust that um, that I've got with with each of the individual team members. Um, most of them have been lucky enough to work with for several years. So I think once you have that trust, um, then things like remote working are possible. Um, if you've got a, a much larger team um, or a team with, let's say you're taking on, you know, your business is taking on 100 graduates in, in one go, um, I think that would be very much more of a challenge because you haven't got to know them face-to-face. You haven't built that relationship with them and, and they might need perhaps more guidance um, than some of the people who um, who I'm fortunate enough um, to work with. Um, but, you know, in, in terms of um, how I've responded to it, uh, I, I've certainly leaned on the lessons that, um, that we've all learned from the leadership figures that we represent um, and, and listening to them, listening to, to some of their advice and um, the way that they keep their colleagues engaged um, and I've drawn on that and that, that's going to be helpful. Now delving uh, slightly deeper into that silver lining itself, moving away from the world of business, what personal silver linings have you uh, managed uh, to take from the past few months? Um, I think certainly uh, an increased level of appreciation for, um, for the things that we previously um, previously took for granted. Um, I think you um, earlier you were mentioning about um, the uh, the professor um, in Australia saying, um, and I think I think in her piece she she wrote about um, the increased appreciation of of the world around us. I think the the fact that we lived in a world where most of us you know, going to the pub or the rest or going to restaurants or going to the theatre or to sporting events. Um, was just part of our lives, and um, I think now, as those things return, um, we can realise how um, how amazing 
it is to be able to to, to do those those sorts of things um, and and to realise that those things are only possible when you have um, a functioning country and a thriving um, economy and a a, you know, a country where people do get down and and, and work hard and and produce um, all of these these, these things um, and the moment that those things are no longer possible, I think we all of us realise um, how, how uh, precious they, they really are. Now, finally, um, should the dark clouds gather again, uh, should there be a second wave, what sort of positives do you think that you could gain from that experience? Well, that would be difficult to to say. Um, I think we're all hoping that there won't be a second wave. And uh, wave, and I think, in terms of looking at more looking at it positively, I think we certainly based on my understanding of it it seems likely that second wave will be localized rather than um a full second wave that will we'll get the whole country at once um but we'll have to wait and see in terms of there being a second wave we'll of course be more prepared for it than we were um for the first one um i imagine it would be very unlikely that the government would impose a full lockdown the second time around um, and that we would rely on a lot of the measures that we're putting in place currently um, and we'd still be able to keep large areas of the economy open so that would certainly be a positive i think more generally as well um i think you know we we have we uh, one positive to take as, as well is, is the fact that covid19 hasn't been um as deadly as as we feared it might have been um at the beginning um that's certainly a positive and that also means that in the future um it's, it's certainly possible that that at any time in the future, we could have a pandemic like COVID-19, except it, that the, um, the mortality rate, rate is far high, higher. Um, if that were to be the case, well, at least now every country in the world will be a lot better prepared for it. So that's certainly another positive that we could draw. Well, Craig, I'd like to thank you very much for coming on the program once again today. And thank you to Al Russell, Bill Richards, Karen Hayes and Joe Garner. That was leading the debate from the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. I have been Matthew O'Neill, and I'll be back tomorrow with more one-on-one interviews with leaders from across the country. And remember, some things in life are bad. They can really make you mad. Other things just make you swear and curse. When you're chewing on life's gristle, don't grumble, give a whistle, and this will help turn out for the best. And always look on the bright side of life. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.